0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Now, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This month is designed to increase awareness of breast cancer, and that's what we'll do today. Our first guest is Kiwana Thomas-Gaden, a woman who was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, a type she'd never heard of before her diagnosis. We'll talk with her about her commitment to improving research of inflammatory breast cancer and how it changed her life. I'll also share my thoughts as a cancer survivor and talk about being hopeful. Later, Sherita will speak with Queen Franklin about an empowerment group for plus-size women. Uh, you join the conversation today at 877-MPB-RING or email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is MPB Think Radio.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Make sure I know how to
2: work these
1: here. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Now, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This month is designed to increase awareness of breast cancer. And that's what we'll do today. Our first guest is Kiwana Thomas-Gaden, a woman who was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, a type she'd never heard of before her diagnosis. We'll talk with her about her commitment to improving research of inflammatory breast cancer and how it changed her life. I'll also share my thoughts as a cancer survivor and talk about being hopeful. Well, Kiwana, it is... Um, an honor and a pleasure to be able to talk to you and I say an honor and I don't mean that lightly because um there's a lot of breast cancer in my family so I, I definitely respect it and of course me being a cancer survivor myself uh I understand just a little bit of what you've been through but man you've really kind of had an amazing story so why don't you go ahead and when did it all begin
2: um I was training late winter getting ready for the Mississippi Blues. Um, that was coming up in January 2016.
0: Were you doing the half or the whole? Doing the half. Okay. That's so, 13 miles of hills. Right. Yes. 13
2: miles of hills. You were familiar. Oh, yes. So, you know, getting getting out there, hitting the pavement, doing miles, um, running. And I noticed, um, found something in my chest, and I was thinking, maybe I overworked my chest because I also work with a trainer a couple times a week. Sure. Lift pretty heavy, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I should You strayed. pulled something. Maybe I pulled something. Yeah. It's possible. Right. So, you know, and I have also a strong family history of breast cancer. Okay. Um, my mother lost her mother from breast cancer when she was 21. Um, she also lost a couple of aunts, and I've had cousins, older cousins, and actually had a younger cousin that passed away at the age of 42 a couple years ago.
0: Okay. I'm so, going to ask the rudest question in the world a guy can ask you. Sure. How old were you at the time? 40. 40. Okay. So you're young.
2: Yeah. So a month before my 31st birthday. Okay. A month and a day. Right. Right. So I'm preparing for the blues and I find something like, well, maybe it's just a muscle strain. Um, I go and see my doctor.
0: But it felt like a little lump?
2: Felt like a little lump. Yeah. Um, And it started out pretty small. Right. And I've, like I said, since I have that strong family history, I've been getting mammograms and ultrasounds from the age of 32.
0: Okay. I was going to ask if you did that because I know my sisters do. Yes. Because of our family history. Right. So, so you've been getting the mammograms all along, but they would never caught this ahead of right. time.
2: Okay. So I've been getting mammograms and ultrasounds since the age of 32. Actually had a few biopsies. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing substantial. Um, so went to the doctor. Also had mammogram and ultrasound on this area. Right. Didn't show a thing. Really? And one thing, like if you're some women, they will tell you that you have dense breasts. Yeah. It, um. So, you know, sometimes they don't see anything. So had the mammograms, everything looks fine. But the relationship I have with my doctor, he was like, if you're still having problems, if something's going on, let me know. And we're going to get you in here to see if we need to do something else.
0: Wow. Okay. Great so, doctor to begin with. Right, he's yeah. very good.
2: Mm-hmm. So did the still have some problems. And I noticed over the time that I'm training that the breast is getting bigger, it's getting larger. Um, having problems wearing a bra, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um, the skin started to look kind of like the peel of an orange. Really? So the pores got a lot bigger. Yeah. And presumably as the lump is growing, the, you know, it's getting a little bit bigger. Right. So I'm going to talk about nipples here. I hope you don't,
0: um, that's not a problem. I've got a couple of them, so I think we'll be okay.
2: So as the lump was getting bigger, Mm -hmm. the nipple was starting to invert. Right. So basically coming in on itself. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, something is going on. So I ran the Blues that Saturday.
0: So you went ahead and ran the race? I did. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm training. You yeah, know, exactly.
2: We're going to do what we're going to do.
0: So how'd you do? What was your time?
2: That one, I mostly walked because of the pain. Yeah. So it was maybe like three.
0: Yeah, but you gutted it out. That's impressive.
2: 320 yeah, something. Okay. Went out there and did the thing. Mm-hmm. And my appointment was that Tuesday. So. I go into my doctor's office, take my shirt off, and he was like, we're putting you into the hospital right now. Wow. So not really sure what's going on. Don't know if you have, like, an infected um, gland in your breast. Yeah. But we're going to put you in the hospital, and we're going to start you on antibiotics. And we're going to – hopefully it's an abscess. Right. It might not be an abscess. Looking at – and he was thinking when he saw me six weeks earlier to when he saw me that – Day He was like, your lump has grown. Basically, they were like, when he first saw me, the lump was about two centimeters. When I saw him that January, it had grown to 10 centimeters.
0: Wow. So it was very aggressive. Very aggressive, Mm -hmm. very rapid
2: growing. Um, So we're putting you in the hospital that day. We're going to do a biopsy. We're going to maybe, hopefully it's an abscess. We're going to hope that it's an infection. You have an infection of a gland. So I'm in the hospital. Have my biopsy. They're doing another mammogram ultrasound. And the next day, which is January 13th, they come in and say, you have breast cancer. Not only do you have breast cancer, you have a type of breast cancer called inflammatory breast cancer. And it's stage three. Wow. So basically, the inflammatory breast cancer, when they find it, it is either stage three or stage four. Right. Because it grows so aggressively. So rapidly. Rapidly. So that's why the lump grew so big.
0: Well, explain what stage three, stage four, the stages mean. Because I know what it means, but a lot of people may not understand that.
2: So basically, stage three, it's in some of my, it was in some of my lymph nodes. So they
0: did do a, they did a sentinel node biopsy on it. Yes. So it
2: was in some of the lymph nodes, just isolated to the breast. Yeah. And it has not metastasized outside of the breast. So it's no other place other than breast and lymph nodes. So no bones, no other parts of the body. Good news yes so very good so not saying that oh you have a better type of inflammatory breast cancer but it's the earliest that you can diagnose right it because basically from the research you don't find it until it's stage 3 it's not like I said being a person I've had biopsies and ultrasounds yeah. for years it's not easily diagnosed by ultrasound and mammogram right because of course, obviously they would have caught it right They yeah. hopefully they would have caught it right um because looking at the research, and it's a, a lady out of Texas who is doing great work. She um, has a foundation that she works with called the IBC Network Foundation. Mm-hmm. And she is doing so much good work to get to in- educate people. So some of the things that are on the website is like the your your mammogram will look like cotton candy or it's wispy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not solid or dense. Right. Um, so, and a lot of people which I'm very rare. Only 10% of women with inflammatory breast cancer actually present with a lump. Yeah. So I'm in the minority.
0: Which probably ended that. up saving your life. It probably did. And yeah. it's
2: definitely saved my yeah. life because I had something physical that I could feel. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people don't have that. That's why they were thinking, well, maybe it's just an infection uh, infection. Right. Um,
0: And it did sound like it was kind of presenting itself that way. Yeah, It presented
2: yeah. as an infection. And a lot of people I've talked to women online and stuff, that they've had children and, you know, they're breastfeeding and, oh, it's probably just an inflamed or clogged milk duct. Right. And they are misdiagnosed because doctors aren't seeing it. Mm -hmm. And they're diagnosed months down the line where I was diagnosed six weeks from when I found my lump.
0: You touched on something that, and and I think about my own journey, but you were very aggressive about getting seen by your doctor. And your doctor is very aggressive about getting you treated. Not every doctor in the world will do that. I mean, you're very fortunate. And, and I think it's a very important lesson for people that are hearing this. If you've got something that concerns you, you're in charge. Right. You're the one who needs to go. Make sure you keep pushing until you get the right answer on that.
2: Right. That's very important. It's like, yeah. hopefully you have a good relationship with your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, You have someone that you trust. Right. Um, that you know your own body. Like, hey, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look like it's looking really weird. I need to come in and see you. And they just don't just will come and courtesy. You. you raise your shirt and look, oh, it looks okay. It's not,
0: right. not that big of a but deal. But you have this gut feeling. No, yeah. it's not okay.
2: It's not okay. Right. Um. So it's definitely important to have someone that you trust, someone that you listen to, and that you're kind of aware of what's your normal. Right. Um, What does your breast look like normally? Are you doing um, self-breast exams? Because I know a lot of people with lumps, they found their...
0: Right, like in the shower, for instance. Yeah, in the shower. Mm -hmm.
2: And like I said, I just so happened to have a lump, and I found it.
0: This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Right now, we're talking with Kiwana thomas Gayden. She was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Of course, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Let me ask you this, because I I know when you hear those three words, uh, I always say the three words that change your life, and it can be for the worse or for the better when you get those three words, you were, they didn't mess around with you. You were in, and, and the same with me. I was in surgery within 24 hours, but it seems like everything is a whirlwind at that point. Did you have somebody there with you to help you navigate through this? Because at that point, it's almost like Charlie Brown's parents talking because there's, you're right. so much being thrown at you. You hear want, 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 want cancer. Did you have somebody there kind of like a family member or somebody that was guiding you?
2: My husband was, has been there with me every step of the way. So he's a rock star. He's a rock star. Yeah. He, um, he is great. He was there when I um, went to the doctor that day. He was there when we went over to the hospital. He's there. He was in the room with me when we got the diagnosis. Um, of course, taking me to my doctor's appointments, um, chemo and, radi- you know, and mm-hmm. initial radiation right. appointment and everything like that. He has been there 100%. Shoot more than one hundred percent. If you could one hundred plus whatever.
0: So he's figured out how to say "I love you" in ways better than just a card. Oh yes. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. So you, you did have the initial surgery on that. Did you have um, a lumpectomy, a mastectomy, or what did they? How did they? Did they treat that?
2: Well, basically, the way that inflammatory breast cancer works, um, like I say, it's very aggressive, so you have to deal with it aggressively. Right. Um, I went just. I was diagnosed, um, like I said, January thirteenth. I got my port put in the next week. I started chemo the week after I got the port. So we were very aggressive. Very aggressive, yeah. Very aggressive. Well, I mean,
0: considering how fast the lump had grown to begin with, you had to be.
2: Right. If you have something in your chest growing from two centimeters to 10 centimeters in a matter of weeks. Yeah. You really don't play around. And, <laughs> no. that's, and I'm the kind of person, okay, well, what are we going to do? When are we going to start? And my doctors, my surgeon, my gynecologist that founded my oncologist, we're, like say, said, we're a team. My Your husband, team. we're all working together. So yeah. how soon are we starting? When are we doing this? Um, so I did um, eight rounds of chemotherapy. Wow. I did um, what's called... Adriamycin and Cytoxin. I did four rounds of those first, Mm -hmm. those every two weeks. Then I did four rounds of Taxotere, and I did that every three weeks. Mm. So pretty much with the first four rounds, it's like you're in chemo one week, you get a break, you're in chemo the next week. So that was pretty back-to-back-to-back. And then you get, for me, I got a three-week break with the next four rounds.
0: Was it one of those deals where they hit you really hard at first and then it gets better, or they? Right. It, yeah. So yeah.
2: basically, with the lump being so large, yeah. they wanted to make sure they could shrink it as much as they could. Right. And looking at my scans and everything that we've done, it was it it was response. It Good. was response. Everything responded. So everyone well. has been happy with the response. So did the eight rounds of chemo. Had the surgery three weeks after I finished chemo. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having a double mastectomy. Um, only one breast was affected, but I decided to go for the double to go for why not? I'm like, if I'm dealing with this, I'm going to deal with this, um, the best way that I know how, and I want to go ahead and do this double mastectomy because I told my husband, I don't want to go through another surgery again, because there are sometimes some people will have a single mastectomy and years later, the cancer, Cancer would come back in the other breast. Well,
0: and considering how difficult that type of breast cancer is to, to I mean, you might not have gotten the lump the second time.
2: Well, actually, right. it's like it was just so aggressive. We decided, yeah. not not it was well, recommended. Yeah, why even
0: play around with it? Exactly,
1: it
2: was recommended, and I had no problem. Yeah, um, getting that recommendation and talking to other people, like I had older cousins who would call me, and you know they were like, okay, well, what are you going to do? And you know I'm talking to them, and they was like, okay. I don't know if you were going to do a double mastectomy, but I would suggest. And just for my peace of mind, I, I, I had no problem with it.
0: Right. And I guess it's it's kind of funny because I'm sitting here, you know, as a guy who's had 80 moles off and three of them have been melanomas. I'm kind of like every time I get faced with that decision, I'm like, well, it's on my nose. Cut my nose off. That's fine. I want to live. And I think that at the end of the day, which is kind of yours, like, OK, I'm going right. to grow up to be an old person.
2: Right. That That's my plan. I've told my husband I'm going to be an old lady bothering mm-hmm. you. So we're going to do whatever it takes to bother you. So after having the double mastectomy, six weeks after that, I started radiation. So I'm still yeah. actively in radiation. So I have, I think, I think today will be number 30. No kidding. Yeah.
0: No kidding. So I have
2: a couple more to go. Yeah. So I should be finishing up radiation next week.
0: You look good. Thank you. You did. I your hair good. And your hair's looking good. Yeah,
2: my hair is, is back in because, yeah. um, of course, the chemo. I um, With the first four rounds, I was taking, like I said, adromycin and cytoxin. They call adromycin the red devil.
0: So They sure do. It's, it's yeah. called the Red Devil. For so, good reason, too. Yes,
2: so it's red. They put it in a very large syringe. They push it very slowly into your port, um, and that's the one that will take your hair. That combination, basically, will yeah. take your hair. So I lost my hair, I think, within my second round of chemo. Eyebrows and eyelashes, hung on pretty well. Oh, that's But good. then once yeah. I started Taxi Tear, everything went. So, of course, a couple little eyebrows and eyelashes. And I was more upset about my eyelashes and eyebrows falling out than I was my hair.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, until you really lose your eyebrows, you don't realize that how much you need your eyebrows. Right, because <laughs> yeah. I was
2: like, i always look tired because I have no eyebrows
0: now. Yeah. This is Now uh, You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Right now, we're talking with Kiwana Thomas-Gaden. She was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Of course, this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Well, you know, when a lot of people get diagnosed, they don't know anything about it. You, of course, did not know about this type. This wasn't the same kind of breast cancer your your grandmother had. No. Now, okay, so this is different. Um, did you do like most people do, just suddenly you get on the Internet and you just start learning as much as you can? Or
2: I tried to do some Googling, and at first the Googling is kind of overwhelming. It sure is. Before, yeah,
0: You don't know what to trust.
2: Right, because, of course, you see triple negative. Yeah. You see stage three you see inflammatory breast cancer. All those separate yeah. could be overwhelming. Put them all together is, is, is a lot. Because when you look at the statistics, it's like I think 15% of every breast cancer diagnosis is triple negative, and that means that it doesn't have any of the receptors in it that other cancers might have. So right. I'm negative to... Um, all the different receptors in different ways that you can treat it. So a way that you might treat a progesterone-based cancer, my cancer can't be treated if I'm stating stating that correctly. Right. Um, and then with stage three, like I say, you start out the gate at stage three. Right. And then inflammatory breast cancer is like maybe 1% to 5% of people diagnosed are diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. And then being African-American, African-American women, we get diagnosed with more aggressive types of cancers
1: Right
0: I've, at a higher rate. I've always wondered why that is, too.
2: And they're actually studying that. Yeah. And I've seen, um, I saw an article from like July or August to where they actually are doing some studies on why um, African-American women are being diagnosed with more aggressive types of cancer at a higher rate. Huh. So that would be interesting to know.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I've always thought, well, is it access to health care or anything else? But I think there's honestly something genetically, too, that may be part of it. It's always fascinating. I've, I've read some of those studies, too. They've been very interesting. And it's kind of sad that we both know this much about cancer right. at this point in our life.
2: Right. It's
0: like, <laughs> it's like it's I don't like want to know now. about this.
2: Plus, yeah. It's like your Google now. So, of course, right. I did Googling. And then, like I said, the young the young woman out of Texas um, who has the IBC network. Yeah. Um. She reached out to me on Twitter. um, Okay. You know, because I was just tweeting some stuff about, I think, treatment or whatever. And she was like, hey, you should um, join our group. We have a group on Facebook. So it's a group on Facebook of women all over the United States, some international, that have inflammatory breast cancer. Right. So you have someone that you can, you know, talk to about chemo or radiation or questions that you might have, you know, because. we're actively going through treatment, and yeah. you have people who have are newly diagnosed. Because when I joined, I was newly diagnosed. Um, the young lady who runs the foundation, who's part of the group, I think she's been um, NED, which is no evidence of disease, f- since 2007. You have people who are long-term thrivers, like you said. yes, um, twenty years. Yeah. So you have people of every stage, but you also have those women who. Um, had reoccurrences and sure you've lost people. So you might see new people coming in, but you also have people who might be transitioning, but it's real and yeah, it makes very it real. real. Exactly. Real. Yeah.
0: I mean, cause you can't be a total Pollyanna about this whole thing. Um, you know, it, because it, sometimes there is bad news on this and I think you've touched on. It. So right now though, we're talking with Kiwana Thomas Gaden is, she was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Of course, this is breast cancer awareness month. Um, I, my mom was diagnosed in 1978
2: oh, wow. different
0: completely universe and so what i'm hearing you talking about on the social media and the support groups that didn't exist back then in fact back then it was like part of your sexuality so nobody talked about it right. so i watched my poor mom not only go through the treatment you know that she had to go through but she nearly went insane because nobody talked about it she right. had nobody to talk about it and i've seen so many studies since then and there was a great Oh, PBS special back around 1990 called Healing of the Mind, and it talked about even people that were stage four, which is it's metastasized. Their longevity of survival is increased exponentially by having that kind of support. Right. And you have not been very shy about talking about it on social media, and I applaud you for that because Thank you, you you never know who you're going to help when when they might see one of your posts.
2: I I I really appreciate you saying that. Cause I didn't know at first I didn't share because I you know not I knew I was going to share but I didn't know right. at what point I was going to share. So I decided midway through my chemo, I had my first four chemotherapy treatments down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something because of course we f- close friends and family knew, and, sure. you know, people like that. But then I'm going to make a make a statement on Facebook. So I did a post on Facebook and just saying, hey, this is what I'm going through. I have this type of cancer and stuff like that. And the outpouring that my husband and I received my family and I received was overwhelming. And then I had people inboxing me saying, well, I appreciate you saying this. I'd had XYZ type of cancer yeah, or I'm going through something or I just appreciate you being there. And it was literally overwhelming. So I, you know, I kind of felt, I've kind of felt like, you know, it's, Part of just putting my journey out there, um, and just sharing a type of breast cancer that a lot of people probably have never heard of. I've ne- I had never heard of it right. until I was diagnosed. And,
0: and you were obviously very familiar with it because you were getting mammograms early and everything right. else. So you it was it wasn't like you were you know just wandering through life totally naive right. and you still didn't know about it. I mean it, it's so funny you talk about that because I was diagnosed when I was thirty three and. I didn't know what melanoma was, and, and I was like, a lot of people just thought it's just skin cancer, but, I mean, I could have been dead within three months. It's that aggressive of a cancer. So I was very fortunate, and I had surgery, and I didn't tell anybody for a year, okay? I had surgery and didn't miss a cartoon. That was how crazy I was. I mean, I would wake up for three hours and draw, and then I slept for six hours, and that was my that was my story. Then one day somebody said, hey, look, it's it's Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Would you write a column about it? And I'm like, well, Okay. And I started getting emails from all these people that said, I got my husband had a mole and he got checked and it caught early or whatever. And suddenly I realized, okay, well, I'm lucky to be alive. Right. It's time to pay it forward. And that's what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're out there, whether you realize it or not today, you have probably changed somebody's life. I hope so. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I was going to say, I think you did a great job. Number one, you listen to your own body. Because a lot of people sit there and just suddenly get into a, like, ostrich mode and stick their head in the sand when they feel something weird and pretend it's not that. But you were aggressive about it, and that ended up saving your life. So you're not only a great story on the fact that you were, you know, for awareness and and so forth on me, on that, but then also, too, on the fact that you, the way you dealt with your doctor. So
2: Yeah, basically, when I saw my doctor, especially my oncologist, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not here to sugarcoat. We're dealing with something that's. And that is totally different than anything I've seen or whatever. I want to know the truth, one hundred percent. We're not going to baby. Don't baby me. Yeah. Don't baby my husband. Tell us what's going on. Right. Um. So I'm fortunate to have an oncologist that really worked with me. He's a great guy. Um. My gynecologist. I've I've seen him for. Maybe twenty years. So that yeah. was one of the things. Oh yeah, too. so he was so relationships. Long term relationship, and yeah. he w- and he was a great advocate for me. Um, he was making sure, okay, we're not gonna wait longer than a week to get her port in. Y'all are gonna put her port in now. Yeah. Um, so my sur- and my surgeon is a great guy. So you know they were all like I said working together as a great team. Yeah. Um, to make sure I'm getting the health care that I need, and I'm also Asking questions. I'm also trying to be aware and just trying to find out okay, well, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Um, why am I having this type of chemo versus something else? You know, just basically educating myself.
0: Yeah. It's funny because you, you've touched on a few things that I talk to cancer survivors a lot and I say I always have hope, and that's humor, opportunity to serve physical well being and educate myself. Well, you just knocked out the education part because that reduces stress. To be honest with you, and also if you can actually carry on a conversation with your doctor, you're because what a lot of times doctors are busy. They'll come in and talk to you for five minutes and they're out right. the door. So if you know what to ask and you can ask it quickly, right? Yeah, and, you're there.
2: And also having someone there yes. with you because I might have forgotten a question, but my husband would be able to chime in with something that yeah. maybe we had talked about, or he had a question, or he saw something. Well. And I would always ask him when I'm done talking to the doctor, well, Lorenzo, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Or can you think of anything that I've forgotten? And he would always have a question or had discussed something or thought about something that I had forgotten. So it's always good to have someone that's an advocate for you with you, that can go to the appointments with you, that can ask questions. And if you forget, you know, we all have. Cell phones, right? Put a note in your cell phones so you won't forget to ask whatever questions you want to ask.
0: I always type out a list right. and just carry my list with me because I don't know about you. When I get in there, my blood pressure doubles, and you know, I mean, it just I get so nervous when I'm, a, you know, talking about your life, you know, right. and they're giving you biopsy re- results and stuff like that. And you, I mean, just having your husband there is just brilliant because you know, I'm, like I said, I hear Charlie Brown's parents sometimes, so that that's great. Um, you're talking right here. I've could talk about you setting a goal of thousand dollars is that what's that fundraiser for
2: So the fundraiser is for the IBC network yes um, the foundation I've been talking about mm-hmm. um, basically that foundation focuses only on research right um, because um, since a lot of people don't know about IBC. i just call Inflammatory Breast Cancer IBC for short. Since a lot of people don't know about IBC, um, they're doing education. Yes. They're doing research, um, donating money to organizations um, like MD Anderson, Mm -hmm. um, different types of, um, like, sensitive breast cancer awareness. They have something down there called Hope for Hunt. I think I'm saying it. Hunt for Hope. Okay. So that's a... Uh, fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So basically I want to raise at least a thousand dollars going toward IBC research and education.
0: Well, you got a page set up so people can donate. Yes, I do. That's important. Yes. We're talking with Kiwana Thomas Gayden. Amazing story about she is a thriver. She's not a cancer survivor, triple negative stage three B inflammatory breast cancer, which is a very aggressive form of breast cancer. And her, um, her persistence and her attitude, I think, is what's keeping her in the game right now. She's doing an incredible job. So, but she's trying to raise money for the IBC network too, and that sounds like an incredible support group. It really does. It
2: really is. Or do you it think
0: you'll ever meet any of these folks in person?
2: I would like to, and I actually think um, it might be a few ladies in the area. Yeah. Um, that I've would try to meet, but um, you
0: guys ought to have a lunch.
2: I want to try to do that, but everything is just so busy, so I haven't had time.
0: What do you do during the day besides, you know, kick cancers in the in the can?
2: <laughs> I'm a chemist. A chemist, yeah, as okay. I'm a chemist. So I work for a, a private company here doing um, research and development. So, okay. and I was able to work full time doing my treatment.
0: That is impressive.
2: I, I worked doing my treatment. I'm working doing um, through radiation. Um, <laughs> I took off to have my surgery, of course. Um cause I couldn't work with that, do you know, with drains oh, and whatnot. Exactly. Um but it was important for me to keep working. Purpose. Um, it was purpose. You and have it a made purpose. me feel like I told them, it made me feel normal. Yeah. Even though you know your normal is different.
0: It's a new normal. It's a new normal. But it's a good normal.
2: Right. So it's like I've been working since I was 19, 20, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one?
0: Yeah. When you're a kid. It's, yeah. Yeah. Since
2: um since college and I'm like, I want to be working. It makes right. me feel like myself. So if I'm here in work at work, give me something to do. So uh, that was what I needed to do. So I yeah. made sure I did that. Of course I made sure I got my rest because it can't you know, chemotherapy is tiring.
0: And did you change your diet or do anything like that? I I started drinking green tea so much that my eyeballs were green. I mean it was just it, but you'd find broccoli's good for it, you know, you'd find all these things. Did you change any of your diet?
2: The thing about it is, like, before I actually got diagnosed with cancer, I had um, actually been
0: pretty do- healthy. Yeah, you're like doing a- everything right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I
2: actually did the Paula boot camp. I don't know if I was there when you were there, but I did Paula a couple years well, ago. Well, did you
0: see this really kind of funny-looking guy dying over in the corner?
2: I don't think we were at the same time. Okay, because
0: if you didn't see that, you didn't but see me. Out, but
2: I went out to Jackson State. So I did Paula' cost a couple yeah. of years ago, and that's actually when I fell in love with running. Yeah. So I did Paula' cost, I dropped weight. I'm eating great. I've been doing yoga for years and years. You know, diet, I've yeah. always kind of kept an eye on my diet. But then when I lost weight, it's like, okay, well, I want to really make sure that I'm doing better. Then I started running half marathons. So you know, I'm base. I was basically like I told someone in the best shape of my life. It's like I had just run, maybe four marathons before yeah. I got diagnosed.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. Are you still? You're still exercising now, right? I st- I yeah, started, because that's that's a huge part of helping the treatment. Right. Yeah.
2: I was not able to exercise during chemo, and I really would have loved yeah. to continue. Um, I did a little walking, and one of the side effects was my ankles would swell. Yeah. So that really kind of um, put a stop to me actually exercising, doing chemo. You know, I would try to get my rest and put my feet up cause I still was working. So I was like, if I'm working hours a day, I think I've done pretty good. Yeah. So after, since I've been released from surgery and clearance going back to work, I've actually started working out. So I am good. doing, a, I actually worked out this morning. I did an hour with my trainer. Oh, now, um, but
0: now I have guilt. <laughs> Because I didn't. I slept in. Oh,
2: man. (laughs) Yeah, 6 o'clock in the morning. I see him. I just started back with him, so I see him twice a week. Great. Um, so I'm working out with the trainer and I started back walking a couple of weeks ago because I will be doing the blues in January. You can be there. I will be there. I, I
0: tell you what, I'm gonna be running it too, so you know I'll I'll wave at you.
2: Okay, we'll do. Yeah. i had actually registered for it in April when okay. I was going through chemo. They had like a ten dollar sale. I'm like, I'm not passing that up. I don't care if I'm walking it or whatever. Y'all can drag me. I'm signing up for ten bucks. That's awesome. So I'm gonna be there in January. So that would be my fourth. Mississippi Blue was half marathon.
0: So and it's important too because you've set a long term goal. Right. You know, right now we're talking with Kiwana Thomas Gayden. She was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Of course, this is breast cancer awareness month. Did you have any trouble with anxiety? afterwards i mean did you get nervous or anything like that because it sounded like you had an incredible support group everybody around you was really lifting you up i know for me uh for the first six months after mine i kept i'd feel like oh my gosh it's another tumor and then i was like no that's called a rib you know it was (laughs) was trying you know because you have to kind of get your mind wrapped around the fact that your body kind of did this to you right yeah did you ever have any trouble with that
2: had a of course being diagnosed right away um your first thing is that you know being anxious so yeah Yeah. i did have some anxious and anxiety and then going to the doctor's office like you said my blood pressure would always be elevated yeah um but i i really had great support my husband um our parents my mom his mom grandmother we have a great circle of friends You know, so I really had people that were just supporting me, always having someone to either call me or check on me or text me or inbox me on Facebook or something like, hey, I'm just checking to see how you're doing. And I've tried to pay that forward. Yeah. Um, You know, just checking on people because since I've been diagnosed, I know a couple people who have been diagnosed. So I try to do the same thing. If someone was checking on me, I'm checking on them, Um, you know, Inboxing or calling, just, you know, or just yeah. seeing how they're doing.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's, I struggle with it. And I never, my, I think the problem I had is three doctors miss mine. So, I mean, I, it's one of those God moments. You're like, why am I still here? You know, and it's obviously not just to raise my children, because a lot of my good friends that have had cancer have passed and they still should have been around raising their children too. I was driving in one day and I heard a guy on the radio say he'd heard me on the radio talking about my cancer and that he'd gone checked and that they caught it. And it was caught; it spread spread to his lymph nodes, so he had about a fifty fifty chance. But he was going to beat it, and he he thought he was going to be able to see his children grow up. I pulled off side road and cried because mm-hmm. you know you you suddenly realize that, and that's that whole paying forward thing that which you are doing so well, and that's why you are helping raise the money for the IBC network, right? And you've got that site now,
2: sure. Um, it's a long address, so right,
0: we got we got time.
2: Okay, so it's www.firstgiving.com dot firstgiving dot com backslash fundraiser. Mm-hmm. backslash Kiwana, K-I-W-A-N-A, mm-hmm. dash Thomas Gaden. Okay. I'll spell that. Okay. T-H-O-M-A-S-G-A-Y-D-E-N mm-hmm. backslash Kiki Kicks Cancer.
0: That sounds very short. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but my goal there is, is to raise a thousand dollars. Yeah. And also I I'm, I'm, I always do the ACS making strides yeah. to breast cancer walk. That's October twenty second. Mm-hmm. And my goal there is to raise five hundred dollars. So so far my team has raised three hundred. $25.
0: Very cool. We're
2: $175 short. Um so I've always participated in that yeah. walk even before I was diagnosed. Um so we ha- it's named after my cousin. Uh she had a nickname called Quiet Storm. Mm-hmm. So the team is named in her honor. So it's family friends, we come together um and just walk with whoever comes out on that walk and it's always very nice. A lot of support from local
0: people. Well, from our conversation today, I can tell one thing for sure, that cancer picked the wrong person to pick on. They did. Yeah. It
2: truly did. It (laughs) It, truly did. It
0: really did. It doesn't stand a chance.
2: Mm -mm, Not at all. I'm kicking this candy butt.
0: All over the place. All
2: over the place.
0: Uh, Kiwana, this has been a pleasure. And if there's anything I can ever do to help you, let me know.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Can I just say one thing? Well, of course you can. That's radio. Sure. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I just want to remind people, um, like I said, this type of cancer doesn't have a lump. Right. So the tagline is no lump still cancer. Right. So you need to be not you might not have a lump but you need to watch for signs it might not you might not be able to find your cancer with just mammogram and ultrasound um maybe ask for a biopsy yeah that's how my cancer was found ultrasound mammogram pet scan biopsy how
0: would they have that suspicion that something may be wrong um, just something doesn't feel right. Just something, something
2: doesn't feel right. If you have a lump, something doesn't feel right. Well, obviously right.
0: the lump, yeah, but with But if lump. you don't
2: have a lump, um, is your breast growing? Right. Um, is it looking red? Do you have dimples and ridges? Yeah. Um, like I say, it's the orange thing. The orange peel skin. Your skin will literally look like the peel of an orange skin with the large pores. Yeah. Um, are you having an inverted nipple? Are you having nipple discharge?
0: Right.
2: Is your breast just not looking Right, Do you, is your breast looking different than it normally does? Yeah, and that's why it's important to have a normal, know what your normal is, and do those breast checks, or just take a look at it, and hopefully, you will be able to identify what it is. Go to your doctor if they have, a, if they don't listen to you, find someone else who will get, listen a, second to you. get life, a second opinion. Your life, second opinion, it's all about your, your life. life, and you're fighting for your life. So that's really I want to remind people. Fight for your life
0: exactly. do you want to thank you so much? Thank you so much. This is now you're talking on m p v think radio. We'll be back in just a minute.
3: Welcome back to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Fumi Queen Franklin, founder and principal of hey Thor LLC. And you know what, Fumi, we're just going to call this a women empowerment show. That was a really powerful interview with uh, Ki- Kiwana Thomas-Gayton. And uh, I'm going to talk with you a little bit about your organization, Thick and Proud Sisters. Yes. Uh, I'm very intrigued with it because it deals with body image, um, empowering women. It was established in 2012 right. to assist full-framed women. Which usually is is referred to as the term plus size. Right. Now there's some debate about what's considered plus size and whatnot because if you're a model they said those if you're a size eight and uh, up, that's plus size. But Absolutely. In the, in the real world
4: people say size sixteen. So is there a real size? Well, actually, it just depends on how realistic you are. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Because, like, let's take, for instance, in Mississippi, a size 8 is skinny. hmm You know, so, and it's probably that way just nationwide. So it's just a matter of what your concept is. Mm-hmm. Is it really plus size? If you can go into the store and pick up off the rack? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We have to have things that are... Specific to our body types. You know, it's very difficult unless it's a specific store that specializes in curvy shapes. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for us to go into a store and pick up off the rack and just go home. Yeah. That's uh, highly unlikely you know, I would say I have the same issue because for my age, I am considered
3: underweight and yeah. I get teased a lot for being skinny because I, I'll just admit it. I wear a size zero and yeah. I get teased all the time. So can you talk a little bit about um, in the, the, the Thick and Proud Sisters organization, how you go about empowering women and helping them figure out that, you know, some things are genetic, you know,
4: you are not your body. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you guys address to, to keep each other uplifted? Well, actually it's, the whole process is not just about being plus-sized. Now, we we intentionally set out to find women who are plus-sized because as a plus-sized woman, I can identify with the issues that they have in their lives, you know, but it's mainly, just like you said, women empowerment in general. So what we do is try to help people tap into their consciousness mm. and figure out what issues they have. A lot of them come from childhood. Maybe, you know, daddy wasn't there or the relationship with mom. Mm -hmm. That's what we see a lot of. But it also leads to domestic violence. It leads to parenting issues. So we try to tap into the heart and soul of these women. Mm -hmm. We try to help them understand who they are so that they can begin to love themselves and appreciate themselves, flaws and all. And so that they can just begin to You know, recognize who they are and love who they are so that they can then. Help other women to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm really glad you have this organization because it seems like men don't necessarily have to deal
3: with all of this critique when it comes to to body image. So it's so interesting that we have to have organizations like this because I wonder is there a taps for men? (laughs)
4: Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if there is, but I'm sure that there are men who have have image issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are, you know, but it's really prevalent for women because. We're supposed to always be beautiful, mm-hmm. and the beauty is defined by the individual. Right. And so, since we're always supposed to be beautiful, we're always being judged in some fashion about what we look like or what we don't. Have you noticed on Facebook and other social media, where guys are always talking about the women' lashes and their eyebrows, and mm-hmm. this is what y'all look like with the bows, the Snapchat flowers and stuff. (laughs) And it it always bothers me because it's like, do y'all understand that the reason why women put up that much of an effort is ultimately, no matter how much they deny it, ultimately it's because they need to get some acceptance from the men. Right. And, you know, not to speak on whether you know, what your preference is sexually, but ultimately it's to get the approval of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we try to teach in TAPS is that The approval of other people is automatic if you approve yourself. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we don't work too hard to try to impress other people. What we try to do is help women embrace who they are so that they're okay with what they look like. And then other people are going to just be like, okay, yeah, that's hot. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you don't have to look like everybody else. Just because Beyonce is doing what she's doing don't mean you need to do it and half the time if you put on what Beyonce has on anyway it's not going to be hot yeah (laughs) and
3: it's so interesting you know how deep it gets because people have approached me about my diet you know like do you eat you know and so that's a thought you know some folks uh, have said that okay if you embrace being plus size that means that you're neglecting your health you're not trying to eat right but that's not true all the time because I have friends who are considered plus size and they eat very healthy some of it is just genetic Um, but we have a few minutes left and I wanted to talk about the Uh, Thick and Proud Sister Showcase. Uh, I got a chance to attend and participate last year. It was really great. The women in the organization modeled and you could just see some of that confidence exuding. Mm -hmm. So talk about this showcase.
4: What's the idea from it? So what happens is every January we start a new class and the women go through every month we have a sister session, whether it's open to the public or if it's just private because sometimes we'll talk to each other and say, you know, I just need to be around Mm y'all because things are going bad. You know, we don't even necessarily have to know what it is but we'll call a sister session and we'll just sit together and maybe have some cocktails we'll just get some talking may end up crying whatever it is is a healing session and then this year our focus was on healing our hearts so that we could deal with what's going on in the black community with the uh, police brutality and us being mothers of sons and how do we deal with that? So we pulled together for that reason. And we brought women from the community in and talked to us about how we can heal and what we can do Mm -hmm. as a community. So what we generally do is we go through all of these phases of acknowledging who we are all throughout the year. And so in November, we put them on the runway so that we can let them see what it feels like to be the center of attention, to be beautiful, what all of this work leads up to. Mm-hmm. Now, does it mean that they need to stop going through this process? No. It just means that you have done the work and this is this is your graduation. Mm-hmm. So we just invite all the community to come out and help us celebrate these women. And because it's not easy, I swear it's not easy. It's a, it's a very trying Process, So to get through it, and all of them don't, mm-hmm. to get through it is a huge accomplishment. So mm-hmm. it's just like us saying, yeah, you made it. You mm-hmm. know, and then we do it again the next year. All right. So we have about a minute left. Uh, what about women who want to be a part of the Thick and Proud Sisters organization? The best way to get information is to follow us on Facebook, Thick and Proud Sisters dash TAPS. Or you can email us at Hathor, H-A-T-H-O-R, 601 at AOL.com. Sounds good.
3: Uh, so once again, that event is going to be November
4: 4th? November 3rd. 3rd okay, at where the is Planetarium it? downtown. Okay. And Tickets what? are $15 for general admission, 25 for VIP in advance. And I, I, I wanted to
3: ask, after that event, um, you know, because... A lot of women don't necessarily have modeling experience. This may be their first time modeling. And I'll be honest, I was envious watching because I, I wouldn't have oh, yeah. the courage to get up there and strut down yeah. the runway like that. Um, so just from a, a an emotional standpoint afterwards, uh, how freeing is that to model?
4: You know what? It, it's really something for them. It's really something to watch. But to see them go through it, it is really something. It's amazing. But we do have, you know rehearsals and stuff and we give them tips on how to get down the runway and (laughs) look real fly with it. Alright, sounds good. Well, Fumi, thank you so